My name is Stephen Moore and I'm the presenter of the Your Law Firm Success podcast. This podcast explores the routes to law firm success. We chat to those who have done it, those who are doing it, and those who help law firms do it. This podcast is brought to you by MLT Digital, the leaders in law firm success. Hi, my name is Stephen Moore um, from MLT Digital. I'm here today talking to Austin Lafferty, who is the original TV lawyer, certainly originally original TV lawyer in Scotland. And what Austin Lafferty achieved through the development of his personal brand, despite the fact that he didn't know it was actually a personal brand at that time, has really been quite incredible. He credits that development and that effort to a very, very significant portion of his overall success. In this podcast, what we try to cover is how a bit around how you can develop your personal brand, but not that much, more about how you can put effort into something that's not traditionally seen as being a key driver of legal success, namely the billable hour, and how important it is to spend your time and invest that time in speaking to people, engaging with others, developing a rapport with your audience, and over time how then that results in significant returns for you and your business and your partners. This podcast is brought to you by MLT Digital. At MLT Digital, we specialize entirely in online business generation for the legal sector, and every year we generate millions and millions of pounds worth of new business opportunities for law firms all over the UK and beyond. If you'd like to find out any more about MLT Digital, please visit us at mltdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. Now we'll go on to this discussion with Austin Lafferty, which I hope you find useful, informative and helpful. Firstly, thank you very much, Austin. Thank you very much for your time. We've obviously known each other a long time. I was hoping to talk to you today about one aspect of law firm success in particular, which I think you, certainly in Scotland, were probably the original, I say, what say, provocateur <laughs> of this yeah. medium, which is really the development of a personal brand. And you in particular use TV a lot in mm-hmm. order to grow your own personal brand and thus grow your law firm. But I was hoping that we could start initially with a discussion as to when you started in practice, how you started in practice, when you first set your firm up and where it is now. Okay. Uh, the, the kind of short narrative is that when I was at school, I was torn between art school, law school and drama school. I, I'd always enjoyed dramatic performance. Uh, and yet my father, as as you know, my father was a solicitor and I knew about his world and was very interested in that because it seemed to me a fascinating and, and quite exciting uh, thing because he had a very mixed practice, including did a lot of jury trials and I got to sit in on some of those and watch McGlasgow Sheriff Court and elsewhere. So I, I was intrigued and, and uh, uh, motivated by that. I was interested in, in drama because I'd been in the drama society at school. I was interested in art, still am, because I've always drawn and painted and that's been a, a joy in my life. So I had to make decisions and I decided to go ahead with a, a legal uh, legal studies and a legal career and I've never regretted that. But very quickly after I qualified, I really on a whim and a bit of Glasgow cheek, uh, contacted Radio Clyde and asked if they fancied having somebody on air talking about legal things. Of course, I built myself up as this fantastically um, uh, expert and experienced lawyer, and I was the the 20 minutes qualified that uh, that you were before you went in another direction. 
they took me on and from there I managed to make connections with television, with BBC, STV, Grampian TV, with local radio and the newspapers because I was offering something that to them was uh, uh, maybe not unique but certainly unusual. A lawyer prepared to come on and talk about the law but in a way that was accessible to people. I wasn't hesitant. Uh, I wasn't uh, balanced in the sense that lawyers are always terrified if they go on and say something that they can be held to that they haven't given the other side or that they they haven't built in some kind of caveat that gets them off the hook. I didn't have that. I always felt that there were straightforward answers to most legal questions. Sometimes you had to say, that's not the full story. You need to check X, Y, and Z. But if somebody says, you know, I've got noisy neighbours uh, because they have parties all night, every night, what can I do about it? And I would run run through interim interdict, report to the police, report to the local authority, environmental health department, just give nuggets of information. And it wasn't advice, it was information. I found it very easy to do because I'd had good training in performance and from when I started on radio, I only had one uh, lesson on radio, and it was Alec Dixon, the programme controller at Radio Clyde, who said, if you're going to speak, speak in sentences with a beginning, a middle and an end. Doesn't really matter so much what you put in those sentences, but make sure they're punctuated and spoken properly. That was it. And it was true. It is true. So having got into television, that was the big thing. Radio is something of a cottage industry, or was then. STV took me on to do various things, but one of them was the the weekly phone-in on um, the the daytime news programme, Scotland Today. And from the moment I started that, I became, albeit a Z-list celebrity, I became a minor cult figure. And that was because I was doing this unusual thing and the audiences, audiences never get anything wrong. They know what television is good, bad and indifferent. They took me to their hearts, as it were, so that I would go out into Sucky Hall Street and as I was walking along, people would shout, hey, Austin, sorry in the telly, brilliant big man. And this idea of Austin, the lawyer, became part of the the language. Not everywhere and not with everybody, but with the audience of STV, I became theirs, Austin. They didn't really get the Lafferty so much, but Austin's an unusual name. So Austin, there's a law on the telly. And that immediately uh, percolated into people seeking me out. Now, it all worked in with, um, by the time I got into television, I'd started my own firm in East Kilbride in 1987, Austin Lafferty Solicitors. And it was me and a secretary and a, a YTS or a Yopper person in those days, youth opportunity, and the government gave you a grant to have somebody. And I just started from scratch and uh, I got people coming in uh, because they had seen me on the television or maybe heard me on the radio and sought me out through the phone book. Because in those days you couldn't Google anybody. There wasn't Google. And... I built up a practice that way and I learned the lesson very quickly that my name was the badge which was being shown off to my potential clients to the, to the market and therefore 
uh, it was what people would look to if they hadn't seen a lawyer before. And most of them, most people hadn't needed a lawyer. Uh, but then when they did, their first thought was, what lawyers have I heard of? And they'd heard of Joe Beltrami, they'd heard of Ross Harper, and they'd heard of Austin Lafferty. And think going back to that beginning of that, what was your motivation for contacting Radio Clyde? Uh, fun. I enjoyed acting at school. And at university, I had done cabaret. I had done stand-up comedy. I had done some singing with my guitar. And I enjoyed the whole business of performance and doing things in front of an audience. So I'd done after dinner speaking. I'd started that uh, already. I still do that. I enjoy entertaining in front of an audience. Okay. And... Did you have in your mind at all, although it started off as being, you know, sometimes I'll have ideas and they'll start off as one thing and then quite quickly I'll develop a thought process that then I sort of work out. So how is this actually going to work out for me? Did you think at that point initially about fun, but also in the back of your mind thinking this is also a good way of promoting no. my yeah. business? Purely personal enjoyment. And it was purely filling in that gap that I was losing by not having gone to the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama as I had intended to, or not as one of my choices of, of possibly doing that. It was nothing to do with business development. That came on the back of it. And once it you know, arrived on the scene, I realised it's actually more than a, a marketing or business development thing. In those days, there was a great deal of money in radio and television, and I was being paid handsomely right. for working. The, and I did corporate television, private companies off the back of it. It was a career and it was a financial um, a contribution to my um, own you know, personal income, a substantial contribution, particularly when it was in the early days of my firm when I didn't have you know, hundreds and millions of clients. But the two things were... Uh, such a synergy, and I use that word properly because it's exactly what it was, that I would go out to STV or go to BBC to do programmes and I would come back to the office and there would be work almost waiting for me there to start or people to phone back. And on one occasion, a few years later, uh, the terrible uh, accident, the Maryhill um, factory explosion, I was on uh, at STV doing my regular uh, live um, desk. And as I came into the studio, they said, oh, Austin, that's great. Brilliant. You're here. Oh, fantastic. So sit down, just use your place. He says, but we're not going to do your desk. There's this, been this terrible explosion and we need somebody to fill between um, live feeds. So if you would sit there and presenters can uh, uh, use up time by turning to you and giving advice on this. Now, uh, I, that's exactly what we did. Uh, Mike Edwards' piece would come in, you know, I'm here at Maryhill Plastics, etc. And then they would finish that and presenter would turn to me and say, Austin, what are some of the legal implications here? And I just spoke in general terms. I said, oh gosh, um, it's a terrible thing. Uh, there may very well be a fatal accident inquiry or a public inquiry, seeing as it's been such a big thing. There may be... Um, prosecutions under health and safety at work. There may be civil actions by the victims and victims' families and uh, none of it's good, but uh, the law is there to support the people that have suffered here. The next day, 
13 of the victims of that explosion appeared at my office without an invitation and asked to be advised and represented. And we took uh, a, a quite a number of cases forward, which ended up going to the court of session and being uh, uh, finalised there. So you you could obviously draw a direct line between your activity on TV, which at that time you were also getting paid for, which is different now. You know, as people develop a, yes. a following an influencer, they really they understand that there's a, a quid pro quo there, and really they give their time for free in yes. order to generate the publicity off the back of that. Did your did your activity on TV? And on radio, begin to dictate the type of practice that you then developed in terms of the workload? Not initially. I started off as a general practitioner uh, in the true sense of that. Uh, you know, in the morning, I might be doing an employment tribunal, in the afternoon, buying and selling a few houses, and then going out to police station at night to see a, a criminal. Uh, client uh, and the next day uh, somebody would want their fish and chip shop uh, uh, sold the the lease assigned over time I think the dynamic was and looking back we got incredibly busy and I had to take on more people we expanded because there was so much work coming in but I think naturally over time we began to filter out the things that were either complicated and not you know, not we weren't going to be able to give them the the best return in the sense that even if it was a higher fee, if we were going to have to devote resources to that, to the exclusion of something else, because we weren't big enough to take on everything all the time, then naturally we kind of began to default, and this is over a long time, to a few core areas, and it's those core areas that we now deal with, and I would say they are. Uh, residential and uh, commercial conveyancing, wills, power attorney and executories, uh, family law, um, a, some some kind of commercial, just generally acting for commercial clients, and a few uh, reparation accident claim type uh, situations, but really not much else. So starting a podcast is a big leap of faith, a leap into the unknown. And one of the things that helps majorly is if we receive positive reviews. So if you could spare just a couple of minutes to leave us a positive review, that would be greatly appreciated and will help us to bring more, hopefully, informative content to your ears. So the split of your time, because this is something that has to be considered by lawyers looking to develop their personal brand, and that's really what it's referred to now. It probably wasn't then, and I imagine for you it wasn't you weren't making a conscious effort around developing a personal brand, but over time you began to understand what worked. A, a trusted face, an approachable face, somebody who was able to, um, as you say, uh, make the law understandable by providing some concise and brief but clear advice on, on individual matters as they came in. It sounds time-consuming. Well... It wasn't. In in retrospect, I have always worked long hours and been happy to work long hours and and felt that was the kind of natural order of things. Now, that's not me saying that I was a martyr or anything. It, 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 absolutely not. If I hadn't enjoyed it, I wouldn't have worked the long hours. You know, mm. I'd have found something else to do. But 
I always found it stimulating. And yes, if I had to go to STV Studios for, um, say, leave, leave the office and come back four hours later, then I'd made enough money to, to make that worthwhile. But also, that was no different from going to Glasgow Sheriff Court to wait for a, a, a child protection hearing or a breach of the peace deferred sentence. In fact, you could organise your day better working with television and radio companies and newspapers uh, because they would tend to respect the timing of the appointment or the recording or the thing. Whereas you go to court, you're just left like everybody else is to wait and wait and wait. It's, if the courts were a business, they would have been bankrupt years ago. And this isn't the pandemic. This is years ago, my whole career. And one of the big changes that we made, I'll say to you, just to reflect on what you, you asked before, one of the big changes we made was we moved away from doing court work other than, say, family law, where most of it's done in the office anyway. I could no longer justify waiting all day at Glasgow Sheriff Court or Hamilton Sheriff Court for a deferred sentence at 3.30 and come back to the office with nobody having heard from me. Um, so if you are a conveyancer or you're doing executories or wills, power of attorney, etc., you're sitting in your office and you are manning the phone or increasingly it became the email screen and you could organise things. And so much of even the broadcasting uh, work was done in preparation, you know, elsewhere. I could do it at my desk and then go and do the recording or the live show, whatever it was. So I never found that it, it, there was a, a huge amount of time involved. It was l lucrative time in itself, but also it, it, you just factored it in. If you're a, a solicitor acting in private practice, working in private practice, you're acting for hundreds of clients anyway through the week. And it always makes me laugh when I see legal dramas on the television where they've got one case that goes for five episodes. <laughs> you know, any lawyer will laugh hollowly at that because we're sitting there hammering away at the keyboard with four different phones going and then we're here, there and everywhere. So that was a long answer. And the short answer is, no, it wasn't too much of an imposition. Well, it sounds to me as if you were doing business development but it wasn't called that. No, but it wasn't called that. But the end result was it was generating business. It was generating interest in the firm. You talked about the Stockline Plastics case. The next day, the people are, are at your door. So you're actually engaged in very valuable activity for your business, which some might consider as not being the lawyer's job because you're not recording time against it. And I suppose the point that I'm keen to explore to, to get across is that you play to your skill set. Your skill set, obviously, you've talked about the drama side of things. You like performing. You liked entertaining. This was something that you found very natural that you were enjoying doing, and it had a very significant benefit for your firm. Yes, and uh, time spent there was potentially more valuable for your firm overall than time spent in court or drafting correspondence, yes. et cetera. Th th that's right. And that's a discussion I've uh, had in various ways with senior colleagues in the firm. And, and at this point, one of the other aspects to it that I think neatly comes in here is that as that business development, which wasn't called business development, developed, 
And I was asked to do more and more of these kind of things and also go and do talks to the suroptimists or, you know, the local uh, uh, collection of, of retired business folk uh, uh, or the Salvation Army or the synagogue uh, uh, up the road from the office. They were all business development and they were all vastly worthwhile because on the back of it, everybody would come up to you and say, oh, I've not made a will or I haven't. My, mm. my lawyer's in town, but I think he's retired. You're in Giffen. So, but the, the thing to bring in here is colleagues. As the as I grew that role, I couldn't do everything. And I began to hire people. And I found that when I hired the right person, it made a huge difference because they would take their share of the heavy lifting. I mean, I've always done casework, but they, they would do more casework than I over time. And I couldn't have done it without the colleagues that I had and have. And when I retired last year, stepped back from management and ownership of the firm, uh, my then partner, now boss, John Roberts, and other colleagues stepped up. But it was kind of effortless because the business had already reached a size where clients would come in. They wouldn't expect to see me or, or even that I would know anything about them. They would see... Jennifer or Lisa or Louise or Jonathan and be more than content with that because they were all doing the, the, the job. I perhaps ended up, and I am still, because the firm's name hasn't changed, of, of something of a figurehead, a hardworking figurehead, but still a figurehead because the name still, I think, has some relevance. There are many, and I'm sure most of your colleagues that you've brought on would have no interest in doing some of the stuff that you did and wouldn't have done it to the... That's true, and I hadn't thought about it like that. Because I, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to be front and centre in front of an audience. Well, I think for the vast... I mean, I've discovered that through running my own businesses is that, you know, people will chat to you about, well, what if they want to leave or X, Y, and Z. And I think everyone has a different attitude towards risk and effort and what they see as being reward, etc. And... Some definitely within MLT, they're very happy doing what they are doing and they're happy me for, for me to do my bit. Yes. You know, and I'm sure that was the same for you. But to what extent would you um, put this work down as a contributing factor to your overall success? I think it must be at least half of it. Because I, I, there are plenty of people who have built up good firms without any thought of marketing. Now, there always is marketing because if you do a good job for X, X will tell Y. If you do a bad job for them, X will tell Y, A, B, C, G, and V. So there is a natural um, order of probably other trades and professions uh, uh, doing the same. If, if you've got a good shop selling pizzas, then everyone will tell you, oh, I got my pizza from you know Austin Lafferty Pizzas Limited and somebody else will come. So with lawyers... Uh, you, you do get good people whose reputation grows organically or osmotically. I did that because we always, I think, did a decent job for clients and we got a lot of repeat business and people sending their families and whatnot. We're in, we're in the fourth generation of some families uh, uh, now uh, in terms of the clients. But I also got the ones who would not know, naturally have come to us, but they knew the name and therefore they found us. Um, I can't, I've never done any formal research, but my shorthand is I, 
I think initially it must have been a huge percentage, anything up to half of the clients that we got, we got because of my public notoriety. It becomes more complicated after that because the firm has grown in its footprint because we we have you know four offices. We're I've got a good website on the uh, uh, and and we do I write in the daily records and we do all sorts of things that that get out into the LinkedIn and all these things. So it's more difficult, and we we get the repeat business from some of those who have come to us from far afield. Uh, who have stuck with us or they've then referred us to other people, but not, you know, in terms of publicity. And it's now quite a few years since I was on mainstream television, although I did the Martin Lewis show a few months ago and it was like back in the old routine. So it's more complicated now to work it out, but I think it was a gigantic boost to the growth of our firm. And to to what extent over the piece did you develop a set of values for yourself or was that something that you ever, you ever ever did in terms of brand values and being quite clear in terms of the messaging that you wanted to put across? Well, that is a very interesting question because I don't know that... I mean, I, I, I've always had those values for myself and I always say I've got a Protestant work ethic and the Catholic guilt complex so that if somebody comes to consult me for something, then either I will do my best for them or I will find them the best person to refer them to or explain it or start it and talk around the, the generality and then say, here are the specifics. I can't deal with that. You need to do such and such. So I always want people to go away thinking that I have one way or another personally done the best job for them that I can. Um, but in terms of the wider, the kind of technical values of how we look as a firm and what message we are broadcasting and all that, I really defer to my colleagues, to John Roberts in particular, uh, who is very savvy when it comes to uh, the, the the technical side of, of our, um, our our offering. But others, professional uh, consultants, including yourself, who have all fed into um, helping me to understand what is the right way to uh, to to promote our standards, our appearance, our ethics, our service, our, our quality and quantity to the general public. Um, I mean, one thing I do in a kind of old-fashioned way, I do a fair amount of lecturing and talking to students, lawyers, etc. And I talk about the appearance of your office. If the client comes in and sees that it's a mess and that that Coke can that was lying on the shelf three weeks ago when they were here is still there and the place hasn't been hoovered, then, you know, that that's all about how you are presenting yourself to people and what they think about your service. But on the, on the kind of wider thing, I have taken advice and used colleagues and uh, the, the wider uh, sort of consultancy world to help with that. The, I remember when we actually took, took over your website, it must be about... Um, Eight million years ago. I think it's about thirteen years ago or so. Uh, you know, because you were you were one of you were relatively a relatively early customer yes. in the online business generation yeah. side of things. And the key thing I remember in terms of messaging was trust. Yes, a trusted advisor. And I think that was something that you were able to establish with a real sense of credibility to visitors who would come online. You know, one, they would find your name. 
that would probably resonate with them. But then hitting them with the aspect of trust, and I imagine that was something that you built up in the background as a result of your TV work. I suppose what we really look at doing now with uh, lawyers is trying to help them to understand early on what are your personal brand values yes. and how can you communicate with them to your potential audience so that they they, they resonate, they're uh, authentic, they're backed up by their experience, but that you're clear about them. Yeah, and I think clarity is is almost the, the, the most important of those. But before I address that, in a way, and I'm not a cynical person, but if you are promoting yourself on radio and television and as this kind of trust ambassador, you've got you've got to live up to it because if you don't, then you know in those days there weren't social media, but there was you know the Daily Record and the Sun, and if you were caught fleecing somebody or you know not turning up at court or you know any one of a million things that 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 uh, service providers can can make a mess of, then you could be monstered is the is the the right word for it we chatted about this and when you first started doing this type of work there was actually a ban on yes. lawyers advertising yes so not only were you not competing in terms of you know marketing to solicitors uh, sorry marketing to the public more broadly you'd carved out this niche in tv so that was a a great position to be in today that's obviously different yeah. there's tv radio I mean, a lot of the radio advertising comes from law firms. However, in my view, there's still a lot of opportunity for solicitors to develop their own personal brand with their target audience. What advice would you give to them? I said earlier, and I repeat now because it's even more relevant, the audience is never wrong. The audience can tell the difference between a paid advert where you are saying to the audience, please come and give us your business. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, but it, it's it's one product one or one approach. The audience know who, that they're getting the authentic personality character of a lawyer or anybody else uh, when, they are, uh, when they encounter it. And whether that encounter is across a desk in an office, in a Zoom call, or watching television, radio, podcast, and one thing I found when I was doing uh, particularly live television, but radio as well, I was just me. I was just, I was having a conversation with either somebody who was calling in or the presenter or a panel. I was having a natural conversation as a person who happened to be a lawyer. That has never gone wrong for me because you are authentic. You're naturally authentic because, I mean, that's the conversation we're having. I'm, I'm not here... Well, he's not paying me for a start, but <laughs> I'm not here to sell anything. I'm here to chat. You and I have been colleagues and friends for a long time. I'm very interested in this whole thing. As, yeah. uh, I'm kind of uniquely interested in it. And we are talking as equals about it. I say equals. You know more about your side of it. I know more about my side of it. But we meet in the middle. I think if you can have that quality of output that people see, then they will naturally warm to it and want to instruct you or refer you or suggest you or recommend you. What firms might do if they if they can do it is rather than be seen to be uh, uh, conducting a, a professional and highly honed presentation of 
services and standards, it's just going, let me not talk to people. I, I, it, it, it literally cannot fail. So, I mean, it's interesting, you know, that side of things is because now there's obviously the opportunity where you can get in front of a lot of people without leaving your office. If you were to have a younger solicitor come in to your practice and talk to you about what I'm keen to do is to spend more of my time developing this personal brand, but as a clear offering of Austin Lafferty. So what would you say to them in terms of the time that they should spend doing that? What would you be looking for from them in terms of return or what, I suppose, um, room for manoeuvre would you give them in terms of fee earning or billable time, etc.? Well, that's, uh, that, that's a good question, which I have not had to consider in detail, but I have a ready answer for it, uh, which is the, the, way, the way we have set things up is that all of our solicitors uh, are responsible fee earners, shall we say, um, and they are all highly motivated and 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 that that's the way we do things. We keep everything to an ethically high standard, but we want everyone to be successful, everyone in the whole firm to be successful. And success means different things for different people. So I would say to them, I want you to be successful in your brand operations and I want that success to then reflect back in the firm and on you financially. And I think, although because I've retired, I don't make the decisions now, but I think that would be my recommendation to my my colleagues, that you do things on a, a results basis. We've never been too uh, worried about, um, certainly never had a stopwatch there at nine in the morning saying you're a minute late. So the extension to that is for individual members of staff, if they have a project where they say, well, I think I can generate business uh, by way of you know brand awareness, brand development, and uh, uh, that will you know come back in terms of work and fees and profits. We would say to them, well, that's fine. Give us the details, but you know, unless it was either crazy or disreputable, which I'm sure it wouldn't be with any of my colleagues, we would say to them, go and try it. And we'll monitor it and we'll help you and we'll support you. And So I, I just think it would be all positive. I don't think it would be drawing breath in and saying, don't like the sound of that. Mm. It, it's, you know, and the other thing is all of our colleagues know the history of the firm and they know who I am and have been. And they are unlikely to suggest anything that's kind of, you know, beyond that. In fact, a number of the business development suggestions have been you know, almost in parenthesis to what they know to be our strengths. If I were advising for the future, I would say, well, you know, look at ways of adding to that brand kind of laterally rather than, the, uh, it. thank God it seems to still be a name that, that resonates, but, I, you know, there's got to be some exercise at some point in broadening that out, I would say. Okay. Um, final question. You've you've recently retired. You still have views, I imagine, on the future of the legal profession and yeah. certainly the future for the small to medium-sized law firm. This is a podcast based. It's called Your Law Firm Success. It's about um, helping lawyers and firms of all shapes and sizes understand certain levers that they can pull in order to bring that desired future state to life. What would you be suggesting to young partners or partners in smaller law firms as? Plan for success. I, I would I would first of all say ignore everything Richard Susskind says. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't quite mean that. Richard, again, as an old friend, you'll, you'll know Richard. Um, uh, he was at school with my sister. I've, I've, I've known Richard since we were very young. He sells this kind of mega law, uh, digitization, commoditization thing. And he's, he's absolutely right in everything he says. But what I think he seems to forget, and I'm happy to d debate it with him, we would do that in a friendly way, is that the tranche of lawyer that I'm part of, the, the small to medium sized, the suburban, the kind of general practice, private client thing, is in an incredibly strong position and is the place to be um, if you want an interesting and relatively lucrative career and a career that is as safe as anything can be, uh, uh, which is, is a, a different statement today from when I started 40 odd years ago. You have a strong, uh, you should have a strong, if you've got a couple of thousand clients, 10,000 clients, whatever it is, You've got an incredibly strong pool to market to, to your own services by way of uh, you know lateral referrals, uh, repeat business, uh, new business for existing clients. I mean, small example. See, once you've finished a conveyance for a client, offer them a, a legal health check. Have they got a will? Have they got a power of attorney? What are they going to do when they retire? How near are they to that? Do they have a business? Do they have a, a succession a plan? Do they uh, have uh, assets in their own name or in trust? You know, I've I've just made I've just made you four grand in fees there by shouting those things. Have confidence in your firm. Have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in your reputation, so that when you do go out to market other products or more products to 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 the same people or to more people, that you have the confidence, the rightly have the confidence to that. Our sector is, as I say, very strong. I think the future is very bright. Uh, if I wanted, I could get a job tomorrow as a full-time lawyer doing with the experience that I've got. So the skill set that you as a lawyer have, not even just in the legal profession but beyond, but sticking to the legal profession, the skill set you have is, I think, to be proud of and to, to use. Um, so that's all a very positive message. Build up on what you have, because if you've been a lawyer for a few years, if you're in a decent firm, there's probably a huge amount of unmet potential, untapped potential that you should. And if you're going to take advice on anything, I would take advice on that, on how to maximise what you have by way of clientele and services, and match that with a firm such as yourselves, who are able to join that capacity with the, the, the wider marketplace to help you communicate to the general public. But it's not rocket science. Well, I think um, you know, it, that resonates with me. The resilience of the legal sector, the small to medium-sized practice, you know, makes up by far the biggest sector of the market. And you know, some might describe it as almost recession-proof, as with, with one area goes down, um, the other goes up. Correct. Um, you know, and so it is, it is a great place to be. And like you, you know, along the side, the Richard Susskind discussion, is that I think a view is taken of large firm, large practice, which does not reflect in any way the reality of practice for the vast majority of the legal profession. Um, you've retired now, you're spending more time going back to one of your other, what was a hobby, but now you're devoting more time to it, which is your artwork. Art, yes. Uh, in fact, I just I contributed to a, a wee exhibition in 
in London. There, it sounds very grand saying that, and it was just a few small drawings of um, still life of, of sweeties, uh, sweetie and sweeties and sweetie wrappers. Uh, I use coloured pencils uh, a lot, but my main love is portraiture. Um, so if anybody wants a, a you know a grand looking kind of senior partner portrait for above the the desk, then I'm your man for that. I've always loved drawing and painting. Um, it has been when I was at my busiest uh, running the firm. It was therapy. You'd sit in your studio. I say studio, it's my garage, which I now call the Shed of Justice, uh, where I've got a little uh, studio uh, and I use my have my easels in my desk there. And you draw for two hours, three hours, and the world has left you. Yeah. You get it, get it, then come back to it. But portraits, and particularly when I was in practice, everybody seemed to want their dog and cat, literally their dog and cat, drawn so I specialise in dogs and cats, and uh, managed to get the you know the the personality of whatever pooch it was, uh, which put me in good good order with people. But again, even that, I would offer you know the the local primary school uh, in Giffnet would come around asking for prizes for their charity you know uh, Parents Day or whatever, and I would offer them a portrait of whoever or their son or their dog, and that that actually got you gigantic amounts of business because they would show this drawing. To all the relatives and say it was Austin Lafferty, the lawyer that did that. Mm. So that's not why I did it, but mm. that was a, a, a knock-on effect. But yes, going forward, I'm spending much more time drawing and painting it, absolutely loving it. So just to summarise, around the uh, personal branding and, and even tying back into the art, I think part of the message has been is that if you have a passion for something, there are ways in which you can turn that passion and explore that passion, which will then have benefits for you commercially, despite that not being the objective, but it comes from an honest um, part of you, hopefully that's all of it, uh, a place of integrity, but a place of passion. And I think people buy that passion. Look, I, I, you, that, that is it in a nutshell. I mean, the, the old fashioned thing it, as a model is... You know, lots of lawyers play golf. I don't like golf. I've 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 tried it, but I, I don't play it. But the lawyers that are in golf clubs, they've got a million clients from the golf club. Mm. So really, what I do is just a larger version of that in different ways, whether it's the art or whether it's the broadcasting or, you know, just communication generally. If people see that you're authentic and that you're kind of an ordinary member of society, albeit with special skills, they will warm to you. Um, and in fact, going back to the when television started, just for us to finish, when tele, back to the start of television, the, the thing that I found all the time was that when I spoke to people who'd seen me in television, they would say, oh, you're just like an ordinary person. Lawyers are not like that, are they? And people's view of lawyers is this austere authority figure behind a desk, probably with a pince-nez specs and a severe expression. Uh, and... You know, a, a sort of high priest of the art of law, rather than integrated with the rest of us, with the community, and I think that was the the, the biggest lesson that I had was that, and you know, the Glasgow expression, "It's nice to be nice." Well, it's more than that. It's it's important. It's essential to to feel the, for for clients and potential clients to feel a connection. Yes, there's a respect, and yes, there's a there's a deference in both directions. Because I always pay respect to people, no matter who they may be, they come in, they're, they're deserving of that as much as I am. But if they feel that you are on their side and that you are part of their team, then 
that's a winning combination. If they feel that you are talking down to them, that's not. Okay. Thanks, Austin. Been my pleasure, Stephen. Thank you very much for your time and enjoy, well, I suppose your exhibitions, imminent exhibitions, maybe at the GOMA with Banksy. Well, you never know. Um, it won't be a second career in the sense of trying to make a lot of money out of it because uh, unless you're very lucky, there's, there is not much money in art, but there is huge personal satisfaction in doing it. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So thanks very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying our content. We'd be delighted to hear any feedback that you have. You can find out more about the Your Law Firm Success podcast at mltdigital.co.uk forward slash podcast. Please subscribe. Please share with your friends. Please share with anyone who you know that you think would be interested.